I'm making an executive decision. Uh oh. We're moving into the summer. I think this summer we're gonna cover just summer movies. Summer movies slash kids in danger. Sweep the lick. You have a problem with that. Welcome to the Project Gen X Retro Summer Series 2022. Sarah, beware. I have been generous up until now, but I can be cruel. Starting in May and ending in August, we will review the summer movies from our youth that include Tron. I still don't understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. If I got in far enough, I could reconstruct it. Adventures in babysitting. Don't fuck with the babysitter. The Goonies. Don't say that. Never say that. Goonies never say die. Back to the future. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again. Heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? And so much more. We talked into the night. The kind of talk that seemed important until you discover girls. If I can only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pass. Cherry flavor pass. Along the way, we will also sprinkle in some non-movie goodness that will remind us what it was like to be a kid when the socks were high, the shorts were extra short, and there wasn't a cell phone to be seen. E.T. phone home. E.T. phone home. Who wants to call somebody? So sit back and join Big Dave, Barry, and myself, Alan Smith, to relive the magic of the 80s and the retro summer. Welcome back to the Project Gen X Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Alan Smith, along with... I'm the other guy, Big Dave. And I'm Barry! And we are now entering August, which means we were in the last month of Retro Summer 2022. Aww. Um, we, uh, we've got some cool... We still, all right, this is going to be our, our the newest episode that drops after what was our last one was with SFW because yes. we had to, had to pivot on the run. Which, <laughs> because, back up, back because up of, in punt. Because of user error. Uh, and, Alan um, erased our entire library. I, I put it... No, yeah. it's... I put it... <laughs> I explained on the front end of that episode to everyone who was listening. So, uh, And uh, so, but, but we're getting back into retro summer which means we got what four episodes left I a think. few we've so, got a few uh actually no we have more than that yeah because i think there's actually five there's five weeks in this month there are yeah so we're gonna have five more episodes basically counting this one um and so to get back into this we are going to get into what year did this come out 1985 anybody got stats 84 84 i'm on it 1984's the never-ending story barry yes sir Give us the stats before I give you a rundown. <laughs> Here we go. I am so scared of this. Okay. Never Need Story. Directed and screenplay written by Wolfgang Peterson, mm-hmm. um, who, by the way, actually made two of my favorite movies of all time, okay. In the Line of Fire okay, and Enemy Mine. Ooh, Enemy Mine. Yes. Ooh, that's yes, a yes, 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 at yes, at yes, some yes. point. Yeah. Um, it's been a yeah. while since. I know. Lou Gossett Jr. 
Yes. Well, and you know, well, anyway, was it Dennis uh, Quaid? Is it was Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Yep. yep. Yeah. It wasn't Randy Quaid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that'd have been a totally different movie. Anyway. <laughs> um, it was, uh, no, but it would have been a really fun movie. Yes. <laughs> so never ending story was actually based off the book, the never ending story yes. by Michael end, mm-hmm. E N D E, uh, starring a bunch of people that I think this was their first movie. I think it might've been their part, only movie <laughs> with, with one exception. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Noel Hathaway, Barrett Oliver, Tammy Stronich, I believe is how it's pronounced. Patricia Hayes, mm-hmm. uh, Siler Brahman, and we'll go into the, the casting here in a minute, but the bigger name on this list, Gerald McCraney. That's right. Major Dad yeah. was on this. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he was. I, I didn't even recognize him. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, distributed by Warner Brothers. Uh, original budget on this puppy. I know was, it was uh, Simon and Simon. Let's be honest here. Come on. It was Simon and Simon. It was Simon and Simon, right. Simon, Simon before he, he was. He is Major also dad. Um, Bernadette's dad. Fair. Yes. Yes. Oh. And he was uh, he was in Jericho. He was. Uh, I didn't really watch that show. He was also show. in the remake of the A Team. Uh, I didn't see. Yeah, see. All right. Yeah. Um, well, let me rephrase that. He was on the first season of Jericho. Uh, I'll, that's all I'll say. I'm sending those DVDs home with you to watch. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've got DVDs I haven't watched yeah, yet that well, I need to bring back. I guarantee to you, you start watching that show and you will burn through both seasons like that. He's got it's DVDs so. holding up his DVDs. Yeah, anyway. All right. Let me let me run through the cast here really quick Far just to give tr- them the names. Okay. Um, Bast- uh, Barrett Oliver uh, playing Bastion Balthazar Bucks. You got to love that name. Of course uh, it was. You have seen him before in two other movies, though. He was in mm-hmm. Cocoon. Okay. And more importantly, he was in Daryl. Oh, he that's right. He was Daryl. Yes, that's right. That's Darryl. right. Um, What's uh, his name? McKeon was in. Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon, yeah. yep. Uh, Noah Hathaway played Atreyu. Because for some reason I love in the band. 80s, yes. <laughs> for some reason in the 80s, building like robot children was yeah. a thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I, I don't <laughs> that or alien children. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, But uh, Noah Hathaway played Atreyu. Now, mm-hmm. I love that He actually has done another movie. Um, he was in the movie Troll. Oh, and his character name. I can't make this up. His character name in the movie Troll was Harry Potter Jr. Nice. I cannot make that up. Uh, Tammy Stronarch uh, played the childlike empress. And, you know, Bastion gives her a name later, but we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, actually, strangely enough, she beat out Heather O'Rourke for that role. Imagine how different Poltergeist would have been. Well, well this was after Poltergeist. So, I mean, that's... Uh True, but you know they started filming it way before. Yeah, yeah, so. that's true. That's um, Patricia Hayes uh, played Ingeborg's wife and the healer. Um, her name was Urgle. Uh, you know her from the Benny Hill Show and A Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney Bromley played uh, Ingeborg, 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 whatever the guy's name is. I can't <laughs> say it. Uh, the scientist. Uh, he was in American Werewolf in London. Okay. And actually, one of my favorite Disney and one of uh, uh, the infamous Amy's favorite Disney movies, Candle Shoe. Oh, nice. Yes. Jodie Foster's well, one of her first roles. One of movies. her first roles. Yeah. Uh, Gerald McCraney, as I said, from Major Dad, he played uh, Bastion's dad. He's uh, the workaholic mm-hmm. father. Moses Gunn played Karen, who is the servant of the Empress. You've known him from two amazing movies. He was in Shaft, and he was <laughs> in Heartbreak right. Ridge. <laughs> Both our, good movies. Our second Clint Eastwood reference yes. there. <laughs> uh, now... There was a lot of voice work on this one. Uh, Alan yes. Oppenheimer actually was the voice of Falcor, Gmork, the Rockbiter, and the Narrator. You know him better as the voice of Skeletor. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> that was not that great. That was yeah, right. yeah. Sorry. Try my again. voice has still not recovered from COVID. I still have like this lump in my throat that just will not go away. So, so we had that, and I'm getting old, and my top end is really starting. And there were a bunch more of, <laughs> hey, it's that, guys. There were two other names I did want to mention, though. Robert Easton was the voice of Moira. And he is, he's a very, very famous voice actor for many years. He was actually called the Man of a Thousand Voices. And the last one, playing Teeny Weeny, the messenger riding the snail, mm-hmm. was Deep Roy. Deep Roy. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, like yes. all of the Oompa Loompas. Nice. All right. Um, yeah, here we go. Go ahead and get it out of the way so I can go ahead and rip you on timing issues. <laughs> All right. Your, your bad-mouthing Tron is about to come back to you. Just have a little faith. While homesick from school one day, Bastion's grandfather decides to read him a story from a book he stole in an old bookstore. A story with no end. A never-ending story of sorts. Wait, What? The book about the fantasy world Fantasia, a world of dancing hippopotamuses, magicians' apprentices, and a darkness on Bald Mountain. But Fantasia is being devoured by the nothing, and the Empress has fallen ill. Dude, that was the wrong Fantasia. She sends out a hero named Atreyu, not to be confused with a shitty emo band from the early 2000s, with the RN medallion to find a cure. But the nothing has also sent a proxy in the form of the wolf-like uh, creature named Gamort to stop Atreyu. His first stop on the journey sends Atreyu into the swamps of sadness to meet Morla, the ancient one, but his beloved horse Archax chooses to be swallowed by the swamp because he cannot handle the overwhelming sadness, thus teaching a whole generation that the only way to beat sadness is through SSRIs and Prozac Nation was born. Marla, Morla doesn't have the answer that Atreyu seeks and directs him to the South Oracle 10,000 miles away. As Gamort closes in on Atreyu, uh, he is saved by Falcor, a luck dragon, who just happened to be passing by, and they fly off to the Southern Oracle. After passing the first gate, he is shocked to find a mirror that shows him his true self, a human boy who looks just like Bastion. He finally reaches the Oracle, and it is revealed that the cure for the Empress is to find a human child beyond the boundaries of Fantasia to give her a new name. All right, whatever. So Atreyu and Falcor fly away, but... Atreyu falls from Falcor's back into the Sea of Possibilities. This plunge causes him to lose the Orin, and he washes up on the shore full of ruins depicting his adventures, at which point Jareth appears and starts going, doing crystal orb tricks, and Gamort reveals himself and begins an exploration, an exposition dump full of hippie bullshit metaphors about Fantasia being humanity, humanity's imagination and nothing represents loss of hope and dreams and blah 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 So Atreyu kills the Gamork and nothing starts to consume the ruins. Once again, the convenient plot device known as Falcor swoops in, this time with the lost Auron and saves the day. But the nothing will not be stopped. Welcome to adulthood, adulthood kids. Uh, and the two find themselves in a void of Fantasia fragments. I'm really surprised Disney has not marketed that concept yet. Among the Empress Ivory Tower, on the nose much, uh, Atreyu approaches the Empress, and Bastion tells his grandfather he doesn't want to hear about any kissing, to apologize for falling, <laughs> to failing her, but the Empress assures him that he has succeeded by bringing along a human child who has been following the quest and... He has dragged us all along for the ride because the true adventure, adventure was the friends we made along the way. I cannot roll my eyes any harder at this bullshit. 
At this point, Bastion is as confused as everyone who ever watched this mechanism for childhood trauma of a movie, especially when the Empress breaks the fourth wall, crying and pleading for him to give her a name. And in one of the most melodramatic soap opera level shots of the whole damn movie, Bastion runs to the window, throws it open, and screams in the pouring rain the most hippie bullshit name a disciple of Peter, Paul, and Mary could ever dream up, Moonchild. But it doesn't stop there. Bastion wakes up to the newly christened Moonchild, oh my God, who gives him a grain of sand, which represents the sole remaining piece of Fantasia. And she tells him he has the power to bring Fantasia back to life. Of course, she left out the part about how to truly do this. We need to thaw out the head of Walt Disney and Frankenstein that shit all to hell. So Bastion starts wishing on a star or a grain of sand and eventually breaks the fourth wall himself by flying Falcor after his bullies. No wonder millennials have never grown up. And we're told we had more adventures, but that's another story. Two more unremarkable or rememberable straight-to-video stories starring Jan- Jonathan Brandis and Jack Black. To which... Fred Savage, Peter Falk, and David Bowie turn to the camera and say, our movies are better. I agree. Dustin and Susie need a new song. Do you need a hug right now? I'm not sure he watched the same movie we did. This is what happens when he watches it like (laughs) three in the morning after, you know, being up all day because stuff kind of got meld together. It it looks like you mixed Princess Bride in with the never and a little bit of Labyrinth was too, that on, you know? yeah. that would have been a much better film oh my god okay his, his grandfather's not reading him this book <laughs> oh my gosh I, I, I folks you, you truly missed out on watching the experience of Alan go through reading this I seriously saw the vein in the side of his forehead starting to I pop. I'm, I'm pretty loved, sure he's dealing with COVID brain at this I point. loved yeah. this movie when I was a kid then I got to be an adult and watched it. It was like, oh my God, this is the most hippie bullshit I have ever seen in oh, my his, entire his, life. His Fantasia didn't survive the nothing. Oh no, it didn't. Uh, it was eaten by the gore. This is just, oh my goodness. So a couple things. I'll let you guys gush and we'll come back. <laughs> oh no, I'm not gushing because it's the yeah. way you tore Tron a new hole because of pacing issues and then this thing. Could we have another 40 minutes of a tray you crawling through mud okay. for no reason oh, oh, no, terrible no. electronic music? Oh, oh you know yeah, actually i left something out of my of my mm-hmm. thing there. i forgot to mention how the last oh, i don't know 15 minutes of this movie was basically on pace with the last season of game of thrones of them just trying okay now we did this okay now we did this okay now we did this now we did this and now we did this and now we did this and now we did this because they had all these fucking pacing issues at the beginning of it so so let me see if i can kind of summarize a little of this i can say i can basically tell you all of this in one sentence and it will all make sense boys this originally was a german movie that doesn't surprise me. The yeah. slide. All oh, the names. I mean, come on, Bastion, Atreyu. Well, I mean, it was originally on. called, and I know I'm going to just bastardize the pronunciation here, Die Undenitzt Gestintli. And I know that's wrong, but yeah, this Wolfgang Peterson, this was like one of his first big ones. <laughs> it's better than I would have known. <laughs> Strangely enough, this was actually the most expensive film produced outside the United States or the Soviet Union at the time of its release. So, like a nickel, <laughs> buck and a half. Um, <laughs> and it's supposed to have actually been the first half of the actual book. 
and then the second half is you know supposed to have been the sequel. Right, right. Didn't really translate the way it was supposed to on that clearly. But um, did a German write the book? Uh, well, it's um, Michael Eind. I don't know his where he's. That sounds from. like a European name of some sort. I, I don't know. I just I know this was a German production, and you know what was his name again? Uh, the the writer. Yeah, it was Michael Eind. Michael Eind. Was yeah, it Tommy Eind. E N D E. But um, yeah, Dave I, doesn't get that re- that reference in the slightest. <laughs> well, and and I went back and watched this, and I was like, I you know, like you said, I remembered when I was a kid watching this thing, and I was thinking it was so fantastical, you know, the whole oh, kid hiding away in the the the, right. the attic of in the, the school. attic of the school, and you know, I was like, oh, the book. So I I know I did the whole putting the Princess Bride, yeah, and, yeah. and everything in there, but yeah, that him going into that bookstore and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I love. I st- I did love that part. I, I still yeah. love yeah. that part. That's always been that whole deal. And then him going into the attic and like Hiding sitting from there. The and all, yeah, it's you know. like I. That is wonderful. I I agree. It's too bad he took it's, the worst book in the world with him. Well, it's just. <laughs> I mean, you want him to take the art of war? I mean, what? <laughs> no, I mean he could have done like I did as a kid and took Pet Cemetery. <laughs> uh, well, all right, you're not wrong. Why don't you just take it and really traumatize himself? <laughs> Well, <laughs> we all know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, no kidding. They all float down here, Georgie. Anyway, um, but there's a lot to unpack with this movie. You know, like you said, it's has a very strong European feel to mm-hmm. it. You can tell that this was like, I remember as a kid being fascinated by it for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was very fantastical, but also didn't really quite understand what all was going on. Oh, absolutely. And then going back and watching it as an adult, I still didn't quite understand everything that was going on. No. You know? All I know is that this was the beginning of most of our childhood traumas where they killed the horse. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that was a whole, you know... I, I'm sure we all did this, you know, towards That's, the end of the school year, they, they cart the, you know, the, the TV and VCR. And the yep. Let's watch me. Okay, we'll watch Never Ending Story. And then a whole group of fourth graders are sitting there like watching our watching tax our tax die. die as well as and just being like, okay, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is where it was, this, either, it was either this or it was where the red fern grows or it was yep. old yeller. It was like, yep. really? You just or, love or, traumatizing children. Or watership or, down. Or water, oh, oh, God. God. That's that yes. should never be shown yes. to a child yep. you're ever. Gonna, you're right. Ever. But but this this movie or one of those other three where we we learned how to sit in a classroom and bottle up our emotions mm-hmm. so the other kids would mm-hmm. not make fun of us. Mm-hmm. So but okay, so hang on. Let's let's talk about that for a second because if you think about it, you have that scene which let's be honest is probably one of the most heartbreaking oh, horrific yeah. I mean, scenes just, him in history of cinema to watch. I know, it just and him then, pleading with that horse. Yeah, to, and then at the I mean, end just, of it you you see, you know, he's writing our text right, you know, as right. as Bastion's writing the luck dragon they're across, both dead. and it's supposed to be this big, you know, glorious moment and I'm like, do you think that the guys that made this movie deliberately tried to break every kid's heart just so that at the end of it it would be like this giant happy ending that wouldn't surprise me in the slide you know i just i I went a different way as a kid i was like oh they're all dead now they're 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 all ghost yeah yeah yeah, they're they're on heaven now yeah Yeah. this is this this is not the real world any longer you know and and did anybody else think that the luck dragon looked like a dog Yes. Yeah. Looks I mean, just no. It, it looks look, like a mixture between a Chinese dragon and a, a great basset hound, a, a, a great Pyrenees. <laughs> a gr- well, no, great I'm Pyrenees or you, golden doodle. Or I'm something. telling you, because my Tate, my, yeah. my great Pyrenees, 
you look him dead in the face and he looks like Falcor. I mean, it's just like you're not yeah. wrong. I mean, that's yeah. so listeners, no if you, you mean the you, polar bear that yeah. lives with you occasionally? Yeah, exactly. If, if any of you have a great Pyrenees, if you've actually named that dog Falcor, please let us yeah, know that's because that's good that's, on you. I mean, that's, that's perfectly fitting yeah, for this. Absolutely. But uh, so let's, either that or, or what's really funny is that, what's that is that Tate would like he loves to like come and like lay down and like when he lays down like he basically just like spreads out you know he just he, he looks, oh yeah he looks like a, he looks like a uh, uh, a, a like bear, bear rug bear, bear rug but I used to always say that he was my wampus skin rug so. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh. but Falcor and the bookstore or and the attic are basically yeah. the three parts of the movie that I love and I'm, I'm the really, rest of it is just I'm really thinking about putting this movie in my um, video editor and like taking those parts and putting a different story in the middle of it. I don't know. I, I think from a visual standpoint though, there was a lot to like in this movie. There is. There's a lot to there just is. kind of like, oh, the wow. visual of the nothing, the nothing is the, the rock eater. Was, yes. Was yeah, just, I know like, it's, that's it, astounding to me. The, the, and there, there are so many bits and pieces in this that yeah. you could go to, especially looking at 1984 and being like, Oh wow. Right. Yes. The visuals are great. Right. Like another movie, that I love that somebody tore yeah, and shredded. Yeah, which I said the visuals were spectacular <laughs> on that movie. I will well, stand by that forever. And, and, and I will give full props on this for one thing. You know, Wolfgang Peterson basically created his own world. Yes. And it was unlike any world that I had ever seen or read in a movie or book prior to or since. They've taken some variations on it, but... The idea of the 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 main baddie, the main <laughs> villain on this was something called the nothing. Basically, mm-hmm. it's the you know the, the removal of existence. I was like, that's interesting. Come on, it's it's it is a it's the precursor a to Thanos. Ha- but it is know. a ham fisted metaphor for growing up. Is what it is. Well, okay, yeah, I, I, I'll give you and that. And I mean like heavy. I'll give you heavy ham fisted metaphor for growing up. And again, it all goes back. It's all a bunch of hippie crap. Okay, <laughs> I'm just. Uh, well, you got to look at the generation that were making movies at that point. I know it was the boomers. I get it. You know, they were all coming out of the age of Aquarius and all that crap. But it just. Well, but if they're gonna, it, if you're gonna have a boomer, I'm telling sci-fi you, fantasy whoever kind of, the, you know, the, the the Malachi Black or whatever the guy's name that wrote the t- story, this book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Wow, uh, <laughs> Michael End, Michael. <laughs> Tommy End, exactly. Tommy <laughs> um, oh. Whoever wrote this story it obviously sat around, smoked a lot of pot, and listened to a lot of Peter, Paul, and Mary. There is no ifs, ands, and buts about this. This has Puff the Magic Dragon fingerprints all see, over this. I was going to go more like Led Zeppelin, Tolkienian no, kind of feel to no, it, because it definitely no. has that weird This is mystical. not Tolkien. This is most definitely Puff the Magic Dragon, okay? Because he was puffing on some serious magic stuff. You, you know, you need to leave that alone because that's actually like one of my favorite Disney like live action cartoon mixtures. The original, you're talking not about the original. remake. You're talking about Pete's Dragon, not Puff the Magic. He's Dragon. right. It's it's the same thing. No, to it's me. no far from it. Far from <laughs> it. Too completely far from it. When 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 the main character in your in your um. Your story about a magical dragon is named Johnny Papers. Hang on, hang on. It just says everything you hang need on, to know. Hang what? on, let me let, 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 mm-hmm. let me let me break it down for him. On one side you have Hana Lee, on the other side you have Passamaquoddy. Uh, and never the twain shall meet. Anyway. I would much rather go back and watch Fantasia. Because <laughs> there's really only one part of Fantasia that's any good, and that is the night on Bald Mountain sequence, well, which true. is the the last one. 
I would much rather watch that thing on a, on a, on a loop than go back and watch this thing. What, again. you mean you don't like watching dancing, you know, hippopotamuses and and, 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 and the alligators and sources apprentice? And I know it just. All right. Sorry I derailed us there. Oh, yeah. yeah moving along. Anyway. Uh, so let's talk about the music on this. How did like Disney not sue them for one thing? Uh, I mean, that's. Well, uh, I, I mean, it's one of those things I don't think they actually had at the time the name Fantasia copyrighted because I've seen that imagine name, because that well I've seen that name used a few other places yeah. you know nothing, what, nothing quite came as out big what, as this but 40 I don't remember off the top of my head look it, but, it uh, came out in the 40s I think well let's let's let's, go ahead, let's go talk ahead, about the music ahead. on this for a second because there's there's a couple of different elements musically on this that I really was was kind of impressed with first off one of the the main um 1940 composers in this was Giorgio Moroder I mean, this is like, you know, the captain of all 80s soundtracks was Giorgio Moroder. Yeah, and I was just wrong. like, okay, you know, that 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 is, you know, kind of I liked that element of it and the fact that they brought in Lamal <laughs> from uh Kajagugu to actually do the song The Neverending Story. I, I mean it's it's probably the most <laughs> memorable element of this movie. With the exception of maybe the scene with Atreyu and Artax, yeah, yeah. I th- would honestly argue that more people are going to know that song than if I Especially said the name Artax. Stranger Things use it in season oh, yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was... Uh, Which I have to admit was one of the most it was, adorable it was, scenes it, ever. It was... It was when, when, when Dustin started, when she's like, sing it. And he's like, no, don't make me do this, Susie. He's like, sing it. Mm-hmm. And he starts... As soon as he said, turn I was like, oh, are they really going to do this? Yep. Yeah. Sure enough, full on. But... And, uh, if if only for that scene, I can justify this movie existing. Yeah. But otherwise, I when I first heard that song, even as a kid, when I saw, it, I was like, "What is this piece of All garbage?" Right. Well, yeah. I like the song. It does something that irritates me to no end. I don't though like the song. it's Euro techno pop. Kind no, of no, no. It's not. It's not anything. It's the opening. The way it fades in. Oh yeah. yeah Usually yeah, yeah. on a like when a song fades in, like uh, what is that? Um, what was that Metallica song on Injustice for All um, that fades in uh, on the beginning of it? Is it? Um, mm, you're gonna make me look this up. Harvester, it wasn't Harvester of Sorrow because I've been it? listening to Bright anyways, Lightning. But it's one of those things that, like, lately. they do a slow, long fade in where it's like it's it builds like you're like okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And that's what you typically get with a song that that has a fade in. This right. one is a very quick fade in. Like, why didn't you just start the it song? Like, like if everything. You're listening to it on the yeah. radio, the DJ forgot to turn exactly. it on. Exactly. Like, oh crap! Like oh, you know, and it just that. Beyond that, I actually I like the song for what it is. I yeah. always have. Oh yeah, me it too. It was never yeah. one of those like, oh, I'm going to listen to this every it's day. Fluff. Yeah. You know, about it's, blackened. Was it? Maybe it was black. Yeah. No. It's later in the album. I, said, anyways, I thought you said it was right at the beginning. No, no, no. It's later. In the, yeah. Anyways, uh, that's the only. That's the only issue I have with this song is that that little fade in right. bothers me. But other than who is the woman that sings on it? Uh, I can't remember. I know. It's only it's like, listed as Lamal. It's funny because if you go back and watch the music video, yeah. there is nothing there's a video about... video for it. Yeah. I've never seen the video. Yeah, there's nothing about the movie. Like no, no, movie, no movie clips, no nothing oh, wow. whatsoever. It's just the two of them in like some kind of weird alleyway with other people dressed strangely. I, I it's, sure. It is. Yeah. It's very 80s. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, there. I think that you know when you have somebody like Giorgio Moroder that's kind of in charge of this, the music did fit the movie very, very well mm-hmm. as far as, you know, setting the scenes and building well, it up. I mean, epic stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah you, I mean, it's this, a, this is, you know, to, to use a wrestling term, this is a movie made up of a bunch of spots. Yes, absolutely. And there are absolutely. a ton of them in here. I mean, you know, the little scenes with the, the 
what's his name, Teeny Weeny or whatever, yes, the, the, yes. the guy that's riding the the, the snail. Mm-hmm. You know, the scenes with him and the rock eater and that kind of stuff, those are fun. Then you get into, like, the whole, you know, the infamous scene with Artax dying and the, the... You know, there's one other infamous scene in there, mm-hmm. that childhood trauma, is the rock eater trying to telling the story of how he was trying to like hold on to they look like big strong hands yeah he's they? like but I, I i couldn't hold on oh my you gosh. know and i, I mean, lost yeah it was yeah. just like man that wow you guys really just want to traumatize children don't you well, but i guess it, <laughs> again reason why we got a shitty emo band in the but my question would, you, so yeah, well, <laughs> but my question is would you think that this do you feel like this the the, the makers of this movie were trying to make high art or I think they, they thought know. they were making high art. Okay. I really do. I think that. But they probably think, should not have dropped acid. Yes. That yeah, is, well, that th- would have helped. This <laughs> movie has all the earmarks of a, a writer and director who was the same person. Yep. As well as a, you know, a DP and, you know, every, every uh, people sitting down mm-hmm. and patting themselves on the back so hard about this art that they're making and how they're going to not only are they making art but they're 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 making a statement about childhood and 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 the transition into a, a becoming adult and right. this and that and you know how the world is you know is, is you know it is just crushes your part and it's this is that yeah. it's like dude seriously go to therapy and Maybe leave get us you alone. An SSRI. Yeah, and leave us alone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is you, you you guys know how I feel about people remaking movies. Yes. I honestly, this would be an exception for me. I would love to see somebody buy the rights to the book and you know who actually, I would like to see do actually this movie? do it correctly. No, you know who I'd like to see do this movie? Who? Steven Spielberg. Actually, it's funny that you boys mentioned that because in 2009. <laughs> Warner so Brothers, hang on. 13 years later. <laughs> Warner Brothers and Appian Way, which is DiCaprio's company. Oh, no. Were in the early no. stages of trying to, to readapt this. Um, it kind of fell apart, though. All right. So if DiCaprio's film does this, then nothing will be a metaphor for climate change. <laughs> and um, <laughs> let it go. Mind. Let never it go. Mind. That's a totally I, different movie. I know. <laughs> But uh, it it, it kind of died on the vine. Um, they said that the um, they couldn't secure the rights to the story, so it really wasn't going to allow. I don't know. Is Malachi to... Black still alive? I mean, it's <laughs> can you not get this guy's name I'm correct? I'm sorry. It's Alistair Black. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh my god! But I think you're right. I think if they could get Spielberg online, the House of Black to. Re- <laughs> Actually, I'll tell why you. do I do this podcast? Oh well, you know, hey, it's it's hang fun. out with me. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it's, you're true. Yeah, it's true. Um, Dave, I, you've been tolerating me for almost thirty years. You ought to be used to it by I, now. I'll be honest. The, if you really wanted to go off the deep end on yeah. this, the one that I would love to see you do it was Terry Gilliam. Ooh, because that would have oh. been just if he put a little bit of time bandits on this shit. Well, oh you, my god, you throw some time bandits. You throw some <laughs> fear and loathing in Las Vegas. No, I'm just know. going back to time bandits and the whole like talk about childhood trauma. Yeah, but I mean, it's but. It's, it's it's you know again it, it had I think that's what it was trying to touch on those elements of trying to be these big dramatic moments, and instead of being something that we look at as like the pinnacle of cinema, we're looking at it as like one of the heaviest traumas from childhood <laughs> ever. Well, you know we've all seen that 
that meme that's been going around for a couple of years now with, you know, a Trey U and Artax. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny about how, like, this set up everybody for yeah. you know, crushing sadness, you know, and it kind of Well, it's the truth. It's, like, well, no, it it's is. funny it is. because it's true. It yeah. is, you know, and there was a whole line of movies like that. Yeah. You know, uh, we mentioned three others. Yeah. Well, with it. you know, in some ways, you know, The Secret of Nim is Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, did you guys ever see a movie called The Earthling? Yes. Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, you, yeah, it's been a very long time. He's on vacation with his parents in Australia, and they get killed in an RV accident within the first half hour of the movie. Yep. And it's like, what am I watching? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean... But here's the here's the other thing that nobody talks about. Yeah, the kid goes flying off on Falcor chasing his bullies right. and all this. Mm-hmm. He's been gone for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And nobody's looking for him. And his dad's not looking and for his, him. And his, yeah. his, no. Again, Gen we don't, X. We don't know that. Completely yeah. his, unsupervised. We're talking yep. about a family where the mom has died. They're obviously still dealing with it. Now, this dad comes home from work, and his kid doesn't come home from is, school? Is this the second or third movie we've seen where the mom's dead? Well, you know, it, uh, Cloak oh, and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger had it. In, in the 80s, it was other. the mom dying, and yeah. the dad who can't... Um, who was trying but failing. But failing can't trying, he's trying, and he can't relate to his kid. He's right. yep. dealing with it. In the 90s and the 2000s, it turned into the dad gets killed off because obviously he was a moron, and now or the mom it, is. Or if it's it. a Disney Channel, anything that the parents are just not around. Yeah, yeah they just don't or whatever. And yeah, but you've got, now got a father who's dealing with grief because he lost his wife, and now his kids missing, mm-hmm. yeah. and is has obviously gone off into fantastical world. Well, and okay. I mean, hell, even the uh, what was it, uh, uh, Rugrats? Yeah, you know, because uh, yeah, Chucky's. Yeah. Dad, his mom had. Yeah. I can't remember if she died or she had left him or I something. They kind of, but it was one because that was a plot of the second movie is that he got remarried. You know, it just but, makes me so happy that you're quoting the Rugrats. I movies. love Rugrats, dude. <laughs> that that show well, was. I know we're on a complete cla- tangent here, but Klasky Chupo is one of that, my favorites. Sh- that show, I remember watching it in, in the '90s, catching it because, like, my dad at the time had a secretary who had two small children, so the TV would be on at his office a lot of times, and yeah. that's why that was my first like Rugrats. I remember getting sucked in watching that show one day and going, "Kids aren't getting this. Like, their, well, their demo is not getting this." And, and, and okay, it just well, to, to your point on this one, let me ask you this: we we've talked about this movie saying, you know. Watching it as children, watching it as adults, we had similar but in some ways totally different experiences on this. Oh, yeah. Who is this movie for? That's a good question. Who do you feel like this movie is actually for? I've seen it as a kid and as an adult now. I mean, I watched it again last week to get ready for this. Do you think it's I still don't know who it's for. Okay. Obviously, it was was supposedly made for children in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I think we can blame this movie for the millennials as much as anything. <laughs> quite honestly, um, it's it just I don't know. It, 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 it's I, I agree. I don't know who it's for. I, I, I actually I can tell you exactly who it's for. I know okay. exactly. Who, this movie is for a bunch of stoned boomer hippies to sit around and talk about how smart they are. That would explain why so, I felt like I should have had the munchies at the end of yeah, the movie. Yeah, I mean it just you know and. I know it seems like I'm sit- I'm shitting on this movie. I'm really not. I mean, I'm just like there are some glaring flaws in this thing. Oh, that let's just, not even get started on that. You know, and, and and like I said, it's one of those things. Like you said, the pacing. Oh, it's is terrible. Really, blah, blah blah. And then it does. It goes into hyperspeed all of a sudden because it's like oh they, wait, re- they realized they ran out of budget and was going to have to get this thing was, ended know, on the cellu- celluloid they already crazy. had left. 
and, and like I, said, I mean, it was one of the most expensive movies well, they made up to that. Like once. I said, no joke. It, it felt a lot like that last season of, of Game of Thrones, where it's like, okay, we've got all this stuff we've got to get in in six episodes. It was and, made for two fifty. Well, yeah. It was actually okay. It was made for sixty million Deutschmarks. Deutschmarks, which translates into a nickel in English. About <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking mil. about Canadian oh, money. Okay, okay. <laughs> basically, it was, it, it was made for about twenty five mil, and it actually okay. ended up making about a hundred mil. Yeah, so I know it, it was a very. I mean, Again, you go back to that 1984 summer season, you know, of all the stuff that came out there. I mean, I practically lived at the theater that that summer. Well, we know? all did. You know, I mean, that and Ghostbusters and Gremlins. And the roller skating you know, ring. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, and the arcade. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Believe me. Water park. This, this, is one of those, this is one of those movies that goes into that member berries nostalgia like real like yeah uh, but the problem is is that it doesn't hold up like other movies I, that we've covered honestly you know? after having watched it last week i kind of wish i hadn't because i, I had fond you know, memories of it as a kid i don't yeah. know if i've talked about it on here or not but i know i've said this many times in the last couple decades mm-hmm. you know when dvd became a thing right and then all of a sudden People were like, hey, we can put seasons of television shows out on DVD and people will buy them. Yep. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of these television shows from when I was a kid that I loved started hitting DVD. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can own the complete set of Transformers or G.I. Joe or yep. Dungeons and Dragons or He Man and the Masters of the Universe or, or Creep Show. Or, or, but I'm just, but like all that kind of stuff. Or Tales from the Crypt. And what yep. wound up happening was that I went back and watched some of this stuff and said, Dude, how dumb was I as a child? We were dumb. I mean, we were like, very, very, very <laughs> extremely And I dumb. got to the point where I was like, I don't want to go back and watch some of this stuff because I have so much love for the for the stuff for and even some movies that I'm like, I don't want to go back and rewatch them because it's gonna ruin my well, childhood memories. But Tales from the Dark Side. You're looking at it through twenty twenty two eyes, not through nineteen eighty four eyes. Well, but so and in nineteen eighty four eyes. Early two thousands eyes. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know whatever whatever were, but, but it was yeah. we were looking through it through adult eyes rather right. than children than, than kids. And and, eyes, and, and no, let's let's correct this. We're looking at it through jaded, chilted, <laughs> cynical Gen X eyes. Forgotten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well and I middle children of history which <laughs> all right so that that, that kind of raises the question again you know uh, do you show this to children i would today? i wouldn't show this to my kid you know is there any benefit for i just that, I honestly i know i think that i think that my son would not enjoy this movie like he might enjoy some of the visuals like falcor i think or that the kind of visuals stuff, hold but up, as far as the it. story itself i think he'd be like where's godzilla you know <laughs> or, or, or something oh, you know yeah. i mean it just you know um you know and that Obviously, this movie has had a a long tail, um, no pun intended, <laughs> um, because again, like with bands like a Trey, you know, yeah. you, and it's one of those things that I have when the two thousands flipped over and everything eighties became relevant again. Well, it wasn't even relevant; it never went away, but all of a sudden became like back into the social conscious on a massive scale again. Yeah, um, I remember this movie being tossed around all the time. Oh yeah, of oh, this was such a great movie, such a great movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well. And, and and at the time, I because I had not gone back and rewatched it at that point, I was like, yeah, I really love that movie. Why are all these young people talking about this movie? Because they were like babies when this came out. They weren't even right. born. I know, when this came and out. just. Yeah. Uh, and and then you know, like I said, with the band's name to trade you, well, and, and I'm you sure know. there's I'm sure there are plenty of other. Well, that, it's you know. it's the same effect that Tolkien had over the heavy metal bands of the 70s. Yeah, if you go back and look, Led at Zeppelin, that, man, you listen to those first five albums. Oh yeah, it's all yeah. Tolkien. But, I mean, all. if you go back and listen to those late 60s, early 70s 
you know, rock and roll and heavy metal albums. Yeah, it's, it's all, all wizards and dragons. It's all Tolkienesque. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, for, for, yeah, and you know, for <laughs> Bilbo certain, Baggins and for yeah. a certain group of people in the eighties, <laughs> this movie became that touchstone. Yes, and that's I think it's a yes. fair statement, which Make. should have obviously been eaten by Rockbiter. <laughs> they look like big strong hands, don't they? Maybe should but, have just been absorbed into the nothing. Who? Let, let's be honest. Well, <laughs> like, and, and can we pick and choose know, what goes into the nothing? Uh, like we were saying, I, I, I will volunteer. To stand on the edge of the nothing and decide what gets tossed in forever. Okay. No, <laughs> simply <laughs> because I know no, you, that is an absolute no, no for me. He'd be like Red Skull, just waiting to push somebody over the edge, you know. Yeah, but mm. I, I, I will say this much though, and like I said, there there are enough elements on this movie, at least to me, and you guys could argue either way, but to me, there's enough elements of this movie to make it still relevant. Is this something that I'm gonna you know break out every year and watch at least once? No. No, no, no. It's just if nothing else, this the 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 Artax scene is just too difficult. To I watch. just you know I don't think I'll ever watch this movie. Again. I've 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 watched this movie three times in the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we rented it on VHS. Yep. It, 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 after it came out on VHS, and once for this podcast, and then last week, <laughs> I watched it several times. I watched it in the theater. I watched it multiple times on VHS, yeah. but. Less than ten, probably. Well, you know, it's, also, which you know, it, it was a low number for me back right. then. So, well, and I think a lot of it also is the fact that because it was a German movie, because they used that footprint to kind of set the stage for, you know, the real world, mm-hmm. not Fantasia. Right, Fantasia. Right. Excuse me. Uh, I think that a little I'm bit. Say of German, Fantasia. Fantasia. <laughs> yes. Now spank, now spank my monkey. Oh, sh- <laughs> wow. This just took a weird turn. Uh, but sprockets. I mean, now we dance. Now we dance. <laughs> oh my gosh! If you put on craft work, I'm out of here. No, anyway, no, actually, I'm, no, I'm waiting for Alex Wright to come dancing. Oh, <laughs> wow! I'm gonna get all the wrestling references wow. in here today. So. <laughs> Something got to save this episode. But no, and and I, I remember watching this as a kid, and I was just like, first off, no school that I ever went to had. An attic. No. Let alone one that was accessible by the kids. Right. Second. Not alone that had a key that you kept in one of those fireboxes where you'd break the yes. glass yeah, to pull a fire alarm. Yeah. Oh, nor did you keep the attic key there. How many schools do you guys remember that actually had candles in them? None, because because somebody would burn the place exactly. down. I mean, no yeah. joke. I mean, that. I mean, or, this, or, you know, or um, stuffed animals. Stuffed animals, blankets, yeah, all that I kind know. of stuff. I'm it's just like, just why would you skeletons. store all that stuff up in this? It just doesn't make any skeletons sense to I me. can see because, yeah, you know, for, because for like yeah. the science class. You but know, that looked more like Halloween decoration yeah. than it actually did like a full it science. It was just odd, and I remember watching it as well, a Well, they kid, only had a $25 million budget. What did you expect? Well, yeah, a corner somewhere. Hey, <laughs> most, of that went, most of that went to Marauder. But anyway, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, let me, all right. And I recognized this as a kid also. Okay. Is it just me? Probably, but go ahead. Or is there some kind of weird sexualization of the Empress in this movie? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's that or if it's just the Europeanness of it all or what. But even I as a kid, that may I remember just even, be you. I, I even, think that maybe I remember you. it being kind of like they're presenting her not as a child, which she is, but as, as a queen. Yeah, or what? But, or but Empress, as a yeah. as a woman, you know. Yeah. So, and it's like. But there's, I don't know. I think it's the way they did her. They did her makeup, like the way that they well, made her I up. Think everything. That and they the lighting. kind of like 
I don't know. It's just that, and like I honestly think that's just you. It could be. I don't know. You, you may need to <laughs> go to your. I've already been to therapy enough. Okay, it's a. <laughs> you're on a list somewhere. I'm sure you're on a list somewhere. We're but, all on a list. Somewhere. You know, I just I, I will say that it was kind of odd to see the 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 way that her, the, her scenes were shot. That for some reason they felt this need to just like blast her with every possible light they could find, so that she looks like she's just absolutely glowing. glowing. Dude, it was worse. You could see her working on her tan as they were recording. Dude, you know? the, the shots. She actually died of skin cancer. From yeah, yeah, the shots of her are blurrier than a fucking Brian De Palma. Movie. Well, it looked. I looked, mean, it, it looks like a solar. I mean, anybody. I mean, that, seriously, you know, think about Brian De Palma. That was like his, you know, you like look at Carrie, you look at Scarface, you know, all those real like blur, like Vaseline on the lens to give it, you know, all this like yep. real just blah. That's exactly the way they shot this. Well, and, and it was, so, I mean, it looked like a solar flare. Yeah. It looked like, you know, th- this is the kind this of is thing. This way before J.J. Abrams with his. Well, yeah, it, it, this is the kind of stuff, you know, this is, you know. Might be where J.J. Abrams got it from. Filming 101. This is the stuff you don't want to yes, do, you yeah, know. Lens flare and everything. You do not want lens flare. Yeah. You want to well, keep that dial back. That's because he shot with nothing but anamorphic lenses. For those Star Trek movies, okay, it's it. it but then he also put it in Star Wars movies. He put yes, it in. He, uh, he is a. He big, put it. In, he put it in his uh, his Spielberg ripoff. You know, um, he uh, is. What a, was that movie? It seems like everything he, he shoots, he uses yeah, yeah. anamorphic lenses for. I mean, and that's how you get those lenses. What an eight millimeter? Eight millimeter was the, um, the that Nicholas Cage. Yeah, movie. it was. Um, yeah, that Super was Eight. Super, Super Eight. eight yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it, I, I when I went back and watched this movie. You know, again, this movie wants to be Spielberg. It really wants to be Spielberg. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't, I mean, don't think so. It wants so. to be I European Spielberg. I, I, this I, this I had more of that. a this had more of an old world uh, Hansel and Gretel yes art flick. Yeah, I would definitely after agree somebody with had that. dropped too much acid. Yeah. Type I, I think it almost has like more of a Ben Hur kind of feel to it, where you're trying to get that whole big okay, production type yeah. thing. And I, don't, I don't see that. You I don't know, see it's, that. It's, I just I feel like this this movie wanted to be so much bigger than it actually was. I agree with that. You know, it absolutely it just, did want to be a lot bigger than it. And, and if it only they, if only they'd had a second nickel to rub together with the first nickel they had. <laughs> Hey, man, well, luckily, you want to say $25 million's a nickel. I mean, come on. You luckily. Know, 20, and $84. You know, that's that's a good portion for money there. It, basically, you have to triple it to, to see what it would be in today's dollars. Pretty close. So what was it, $25 I'm, million? Yeah. So you're looking at $75 million. Yeah, I know. Days, but which it, is a small movie. But I've got a, a very small a, movie. a big portion of that budget went to went to heroin and cocaine. It oh, I'm like. sure it was cocaine and pot well, more and, than anything. And, but a, you got to admit, you kind of have to respect that they made the best out of what they had. Because, I mean, the, the what was it, the, the, the Gates? What you know they what's really things? funny is that I did my summary, and then you're like, okay, we're going to talk about this. And all three of us is out here and shit on this movie for the last We didn't like, say you were wrong. Minutes. We just said... <laughs> So I was not wrong on this one. I, we <laughs> never said you were wrong. We just said you were like deranged. I, I just you confused me with all of your Princess Bride references. Exactly, it's because it's a better movie. And it is a better thankfully, movie. Thankfully, we're going to cover an even better movie later in the summer yes. with Labyrinth. Yes. So, which I think we're closing out. Right yeah, I think we're closing that out. So Got to find that and watch it again. Oh my god! Yeah, you but remind I mean, me of the babe. Yeah, exactly. what babe? <laughs> babe, but with what power? With power. power. Save it, boy. <laughs> Save it. You do. I saw my babe. He's looking for anything on this to, to not have to talk about this movie. I know. It's because David Bowie trumps everything. Well, all right. You're not wrong. <laughs> Look but at my tattoo, I know, okay? I know. <laughs> Which but, need uh, some recolor, by the way. Yeah, they all do. <laughs> and again, just to kind of, you know, start to summarize and wrap up on this one. 
I, I definitely think that we all looked at this with rose-colored glasses when we were kids. And it was definitely something that when you go back and look at it with a more descriptive I, eye, you know. I went into this one anticipating. Disappointment? No, I went into this anticipating this being like one that really held up. Really? It was really surprised okay. with That's how surprising. it did. And I, I really I, wanted it to hold up. I did. And it just Like 15 minutes into the movie, I was... Putting it on pause to go get snacks and use the bathroom, and then like fifteen minutes I kept minutes looking. Later, I kept looking at it going. How much? How much time's left in this? Oh, yeah. this has like how much four time? hours more. What? What? How? How long is this movie? I mean, just like wow. It's like, funny because yeah. the moments of drama and the yeah. moments that that are interesting are the most horrific moments yeah, in the damn know, movie. And then the stuff that they're trying to really make dramatic comes yeah. off as just laugh. Like him. I'm sorry. That scene where he throws the window open and screams, "Moonshot." Yeah, Moonshot. Because he he was gonna name her uh, what his what was. His mother's, his mother's name? name is that what his mother's name was yep. oh, see yep. that's even worse that's even worse at least give the mom a good name okay i mean that, that just oh my god and honestly Let it be i didn't something know it, like I bertha didn't, or, i didn't realize you know, it was uh, Moonchild. Eunice. Eunice would have been a great name. I thought okay? he. Okay. This is. A, I thought he'd said something like Maureen. That's because you can't like understand that. him. Honestly, yeah, you it was hey. it was decades before I knew what he actually screamed there. Same here. I mean, exactly. Whatever. I had to go back and watch it multiple times. I know. Just that scene to figure out what in the world he was saying. I know. And, and then and, when and, I found so, it out, I was like, so apparently his mom was Paul Stanley's sister. I know. I mean, what is well, that? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that was Star Child. Oh, that's that why. Now she, he was Star yeah. Child. She's Moonchild. So it's pretty obvious that his dad was. In the military and in love, this is actually a precursor. This is a um, postcursor to um, um, Forrest Gump. Because I was about to say the, mil- the military <laughs> guy that married the hippie, and now the mom is gone. There you go. Evidently, something happened that Forrest got. You know, so baby Forrest went over to Germany and went to school there. And you know, all right, okay. While we're on the subject, oh lord, oh here we go. See what you did. Okay. I blame you for this. I'll take it. Here's the question. I've heard this, and I heard this like even before like the internet really started pausing, like, mm-hmm. pausing all this stuff. Was Jenny already pregnant when she came back? I have no idea. Okay, save that for the Force Gump. We're episodes. never doing an episode of Force Gump. <laughs> we ain't got that kind of time. First off, we're not a bunch of boomers sitting around sucking our own dicks, and and more importantly, that movie is terrible. I'm sorry, and uh, it, it just. But do you think that I mean because. All the signs of a pregnant woman is there well, when she comes back. And she knew that Forrest loved her and would take care of her child, you know, and do you think do you think do you think that Jenny used Forrest to to have a baby daddy because knowing that the true dad was not there I any have longer? No idea on this one. You have put far more thought into this than I ever I, wanted to. I did not go in somebody else like pointed this out and then that started becoming a thing like like later on and now now i kind of want to do a deep dive on this just to see if there's any kind of like you know random ass thoughts that people have had on this movie to try to explain some of it like they have with so many others like that Mm -hmm. or like the the whole thing with um, fight club is nothing more than calvin and hobbs yeah i've heard you know i love that one so I'm, i'm really curious to see you know what what other kind of interpretations there would be for the never-ending story to or, make it palatable. Or know? that that when Han Solo was put into Carbonite, everything that happened after that was just a dream that he was having until he was finally thawed out by Nazis in the 1930s, and he went, went on to become Indiana Jones. I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> so nothing. I'm Big Dave. Hey, you've been this to happened long project. ago in a galaxy far, far away. So why couldn't he have been there for eons, just waiting to be discovered? 
And you've been listening to the Project Gen X podcast. You've been listening to Alan go off on some weird-ass so, tangents. We've been talking about the never-ending story, and you can send your eat your hate mail to us via um, Project, Project Gen, Gen X, X pod actually, at, you know at gmail.com. You bring up a good point. And, yeah. I, and I want to throw this out to our listeners and, and, and any of our folks on Discord. I mean... I know that there's going to be people that are going to be passionate about this movie. Oh, we're going to hear about oh, this. Oh, yeah, we're episode. definitely going to hear about this one. But I just, I, I'm really curious because we've never once said that we are absolutely right in anything we say. No. If you can make an argument on why this movie should still be relevant, make it. I'm really, because I really genuinely want to love this movie more than I do. You know, I have such strong memories of what it represented at the time. And now going back and watching it in 2022, I'm like... And then having to sit at a wow. table with us two and listen <laughs> yeah. to us just crap well, but, all I over mean, it. Honestly, well, you guys I haven't mean, said anything that I have disagreed with for the right, most part. Right, I mean, right. it's, yeah. it's one of those movies that you go back and look at and it's like... Did I really love this movie as much as I did when I was a kid? And if so, why? Mm -hmm. You know, it just doesn't. Well, you know, there there is that whole when you're a kid and somebody sits you in front of something, unless it's just really, really boring, you'll watch anything. Well, and I think I because mean, the visuals on this yes. were so just impactual. And we all loved Falcor. That's honestly, oh. that's what it came down to, is we all thought that Luck Dragon is so cool. Oh, you know? I want Luck yeah. Dragon. I, I know. Everybody I know. did. I know. Everybody just, did. That's why so but many people I, I'll have be seen honest, the Great Pyrenees now. I don't, I know that in, uh, what was that, um, I actually know that comes from, what was that, what was that Japanese anime with a little girl that had the Great Pyrenees? Oh, um, oh, it's a Gimbley, isn't it? Yes, yeah, one of those away. Studio Ghi uh, Ghibli. Um, it's not Spirited Away. It's, no, it, uh, it, it, was, it was a, it was a show. It was, yeah. a, it was a television show. You know what I'm talking about. It's, exactly it's two names, whatever it is. Yeah. It's a, um, but yeah, no, but anyway, but the whole thing, I didn't realize, until this rewatch, mm -hmm. I didn't realize just how much of just a plot device Falcor really was. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, oh, he yeah. swoops in at like, okay, we need something to save the day. Here comes Falcor. Yep. Okay, then now he's gone. Oh, we need to save the day. Well, we didn't bring in the Falcor. Hey, it's, we need to save kinda, the day. Oh, there's a luck dragon. Wasn't yeah. that lucky? Well, yeah. you know, it's kind of like Gandalf a, a calling the giant. A creature that had never been talked about. The, never been to, you know. the, the giant eagles that he could have called at any time and actually gotten them to Mordor, oh, you know, yeah. but he didn't do it except for the one time when it was a plot point. Now, so. one other thing I want to bring up here before. <laughs> and I don't even fucking like those movies. Before we start <laughs> wrapping up, I, I'm, one thing I'm kind of curious because I didn't really get a chance to look for it. I'm curious to see if there was any kind of marketing for this as far as like toys or, you know, games or anything outside of this because I, I don't had, remember ever seeing any. I think I had the storybook for it. You know how they used to put out those the little books, like, yeah, the, the yeah. picture book, story, whatever, that were like that paper thin you know yeah. basically you know basically if, if they had put out falcor plushies they would have made a mint off of well I, i'm I think sure they've that they've out, done but that I don't think, since then exactly i don't think they had the them out time, at the time yeah and i mean i would have loved to have seen one and of the rock was, eaters you know this was prime oh yeah everything let's, hey, about every, this let's, let's make a toy let's make, for you know well let's yeah. make let's make the snail let's yeah. make the rock eater let's make you know who is the guy that rode the bat you know, that guy, yeah. you know, those, those hey, kinds of characters. Unless I can get a Swamp of Sorrow playset with r tracks that, that actually like falls down into the swamp, I do not want a single thing made, okay? Uh, why do you hate yourself? <laughs> why do you hate yourself like that? I mean, because I, we all live in our trauma, okay? I, I, we, we play it over and over and over again. I, I, I have no words. <laughs> well, and I will say this much. Do you remember, what were they called? The, the, not the gates. What were they called? The oracle. The, the oracles. Yeah. Did, you, did anybody else notice that the oracle? were the exact same thing just different colors yeah i mean that doesn't surprise like, me what they do just flip a switch yeah i mean yeah, what the hell you know so. well you know led 
Exactly, you know, apparently. But I, I was just... Like I said, there were so many movie uh, elements of this movie. It's a, a, a collection <laughs> you know, of spots. We, we were running. We were like, you know, uh, it's a statuette with rock light, pretty <laughs> we, much. We, we were wrapping this up like five minutes ago, six minutes ago, and now we just went off for another six minutes on what's I, wrong with this movie. <laughs> Have you Before listened get, to our podcast? Yeah, I know. Before we get out of here, I do want to say something. Uh, we lost somebody this past, I guess, in the last two weeks since we recorded last. Lost that, a couple of people actually, but one in particular, Nichelle Nichols. Yes. Uh, played Uhura on uh, Star Trek. the original Star Trek. Yeah, um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite. Yes, ca- you know she was actresses. she was going to leave the show, mm-hmm. and Martin Luther King Jr. pulled her inside and said, "No, you are representing all of us on that show," and so she wound up staying with it. Yep. And I got the I got the chance to meet her. I, I, I really? got a chance yes. to meet her too. It I never did. Star Trek when we were King doing when we were doing contract, you know, way back a long time ago. That was one of the first interviews that I did. Nice, with her. really. She was one of the nicest people. Yes, she was. Ever meet in the world. Um, that was when she was on Heroes. Yeah, you know, that okay. was around that same time. You know, uh, I, I met her before that. They actually had a Star Trek convention come through Nashville. Yeah, this was at Dragon con-, con. Was when I met her, so. and it was at the old convention center yeah. downtown. Yeah. And she was one of the few people I actually got to meet. And it was by accident. It wasn't even like I stood in line and got to meet her. It was like I bumped into her in one of the hallways for like yeah. five minutes. So, But, yeah, we just wanted to acknowledge that she left and say boldly gold. I mean, that's, yeah. um, you know. And, uh, unfortunately, we got, um, we've got George Takei and... Um, Trying to remember. Oh well, what's uh the Kirk, Captain Kirk, um, Shatner. William, William Shatner. Shatner, and I think that's all that's left of the original. Well, Duhans passed away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, DeForest Kelly. DeForest passed Kelly's away. gone. Yep. Nichelle's gone now. Uh, Leonard uh, Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy's gone. I think of like the main characters. It's just it, it's the captain it's Shat- and the pilot. Yeah, it's, it's that's all it is. Yeah. And uh, I I think Shatner will probably go first. Uh, mm. I think he's older. If I'm not I, mistaken, I, so. I don't know. It seems like Shatner may be partially he, immortal. Yeah, he may be. Who knows? Just because he, he, he may just be uncare. You know, <laughs> he just doesn't care. Hey, do you don't mess with TJ Hooker. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. But it's funny we're talking about these. You know, one of my favorite things was DeForest Kelly, just because mm-hmm. of the fact that he was in one of my all-time favorite bad movies mm-hmm. in history. He was in Night of the Lepus. Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Oh, my god, That movie is terrible. But have... I remember watching that on repeat on TBS. Yes. Because it used to come on all the time yes. when we first got cable. So. I, I don't know this movie. It's about giant rabbits giant that take over rabbits. Texas down. Now, here's the funny thing, mm. Dave. This movie was so poorly made and so poorly budgeted that when they wanted to show the quote-unquote giant rabbits, they basically dropped regular bunny rabbits on an H&O Railroad set yes. and just let them knock stuff over. And then shot them. At one point, it was what caliber so gun? Bad. I don't know, but it's one it of those things so where it's bad. like, please tell me I'm not watching rabbits die like, like on film. It would not surprise me if we were, yeah. but it's just like, <laughs> okay, we've talked about the past. I'm, I'm going to bring up a show that I just finished watching here recently okay. Okay. because I know it will annoy Alan. All right. Have you guys watched the, the streaming show, the offer about the making of I've heard that's I've finished great. it. It's I've amazing. I've heard that's great. It oh, my. So, 
gosh, this is such it a is great amazing. show. That's one of those things that I love behind the scenes. Now it's whether, a you know it is a fictionalized version is, of the producers right. from the producers from book. Al Ruddy, right? Right. Yeah. And and that Al Ruddy has produced so much stuff oh, that yeah. you wouldn't even think about. Well, he walked away after The Godfather yes, to go produce exactly. other. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was the repl- um, the um, not when the replacement. It was, it was the uh, Burt, um, Burt Reynolds. It was um, his story. Oh, not is one in j- where they were playing football in jail. Yeah, it's the one. No, longest yard, longest, longest yard. yard thank the original you. longest yard. He did the he did that one and he did the remake. Yes, oh, unfortunately. Well, no, I like the remake. actually. You know, the remake's not terrible. Well, the fact that Burt Reynolds came need, back to it. If I need to entice you to watch the offer for anything, you whatsoever, know, I, mean, I just haven't got around. There's to it, there's so. there's three things that I can throw at you that just blew me away by this. Okay. Number one, the guy that they got to play uh, Brando. Mm-hmm. Nailed it! Oh, Absolutely Brando nailed it. Um, Al Pacino, the Pacino uh, one was great too. All of about, Giovanni uh, Ribisi. Oh, the oh, uh, the guy that played Sonny. He's not in it too much, but okay. Giovanni Ribisi plays a mafia boss through this. Okay, you forget you're watching Giovanni Ribisi about the second episode. Nice. Okay, I'll, and, I'll take it. I've heard nothing but good things about it, and like I said, I love all that behind the scenes stuff, and I don't hate the guy. Well, but there's so one other one, and this will hit you where you live. All right. Playing the character or the the person that became Luca Brazzi, mm-hmm. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. It's freaking Lou Ferrigno, really? Yeah. Yes, okay. and he does he absolutely it. He's okay. amazing. It was so awkward to, to watch, and I'm like, I'm watching the Incredible Hulk play <laughs> freaking you know Luca Brazzi, who was an actual mob guy. Yeah, the, he they, was an they, actual hitman. He was nice. an actual hitman nice. for the mob that they brought in to do that part, and a professional wrestler for a short time. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, bring it now that we've circle. gone on a completely tangent that has nothing to do. With <laughs> welcome to the Gen X. About. W- welcome to the Project Gen X podcast. And also, yeah. this is so much better than the movie we watched. So, <laughs> so seriously, guys, go out and, and hit us up on Discord. Shoot us emails. Let us know what you think. We're going to get a lot of. I think we're going to get a lot of hate if, on this one. We, but you know, we're, we're trying to be kind. Please be kind in return. But you know, if you disagree I, with I, us, throw it at us. Let us know because I, I, I legitimately, I think all of us really do want to like this movie. We but, did. I did, dude. You know, I wanted to love this movie. Yeah, and I loved it as a child. Yes, kind of. Yeah. I wanted to still love this movie. Yeah, I wanted to still be in love with this movie. Yep. Instead, we've just. We've become friends, so it's just I, like no. I wouldn't we, even we, say become. We become Facebook friends. Yeah. We, exactly. we, oh yeah. There you go. We, we became Facebook friends. We become exes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we so. become Facebook friends. We see their posts that are cordial if we run into each other right, at the right, grocery right. store. Every now and then, might like their posts or something. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. about it. So well, that yeah. kind of goes to the Stranger Things pop up. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. to finalize this, when that song was used on Stranger Things, mm-hmm. the prior to that, the average download for that song, the internet stream was right around 30,000, mm-hmm. you know, on average a day. Take a guess what it jumped up to. Well, I'm sure it jumped up into the millions. Somewhere. A nickel. Almost 2 million yeah. in one day. Yeah. I remember re- hearing about that. I think it was, was it on the, um, the Hit Parade podcast? They were I talking think so. About that, yeah. and that and then also, of course, the, the running up, uh, running running up, up that the hill. hill, how that thing exploded. Yeah. So and I'm sure Master Puppets has exploded. All oh God, yes. So. Oh God, yes. I've already seen where um, the, well, the the actor the goes. actor played with Mattel. Yeah, I got yeah, to go up and uh, play with him. Just uh, that song. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of that song. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I love that video, and Lars is like, okay, I'm going to count this in. You ready? One, two, three, four. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, well, we're in this. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> that, that, that's when he found out that Lars is exactly the type of jerk that you thought he was. Yep. Yeah, drummers. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for listening to the Project Index podcast. I'm Alan Smith. I'm the other guy, Big Dave. And I'm Barry. And we will see you next time. See ya. You see?